the members and either welcome or welcome back to At Least There's a Dog, a Star Trek Enterprise review podcast in which we will boldly go episode by episode through the Star Trek series that, whatever its flaws, undeniably has the most dog. We are your hosts, Mandy and Josh, and on tonight's show we will be discussing Season 2, Episode 8... What was this one called? The Communicator. The Communicator. Thank you. <laughs> oh, boy. It's not a very memorable title. No, and it wasn't a very memorable episode. No, it really wasn't. It wasn't great. We've had a few few duds in a row here. Yeah. So cry in shame. Feel like they've backslid a little since season one, almost. Um, yes. I agree. So far, I think season two has been weaker than season one. Well, we're pretty early in, which could either be a good or bad thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, just overall. Just like, you know, they've done all of the parts of this plot a hundred thousand times on Star Trek. Mm -hmm. And they didn't do anything especially exciting with any of them here. Yep. It was very by the numbers. Yeah. Just like everybody felt, everybody seemed like they were bored. Like the actors seemed bored. The writers seemed bored. The director seemed bored. We seemed bored. We seemed bored. Well, we were bored. Yeah, we were. But uh, I think in part that's because everybody else was bored. The guest stars seemed really bored. They were really uninspiring. Yeah, just like, you know, they weren't bad. Just I can't remember anything about them. And it's been, what, 20 minutes since we finished the episode? No, none of them stood out. No. Oh, you want to... Well, actually, I'll, I'll get to that. Ooh, okay. You want to tell the, the listeners what this is about? I guess. So this was The Communicator. I remember it now. Mm -hmm. This episode starts in Shuttlepod 1, which means, by the established rules, that it's going to be bad. Archer, Reed, and Hoshi have just returned from some scenic sightseeing on a pre-warp planet when Reed very dramatically discovers that he left his cell phone on the planet. So they disable the old communicator, set him up with a new one, and jet off to a new solar system before anything else happens, leaving a fun mystery for the people of this planet. Ha ha ha, that's what would have happened if they were smart. <laughs> Instead, the Enterprise crew decide to take a bunch more fancy tech back down to the planet to hunt for the lost communicator, resulting in Archer and Reed getting captured and almost getting executed for the crime of being unbelievably bad liars. In a B-plot that I wish were the A-plot, Tucker grows a cloaking device on his arm and Mayweather has some ideas for how he could use it. <laughs> Will they retrieve the forbidden technology? Will we get lots of speechifying about the importance of the totally not prime directive? What else does Tucker do in his free time, exactly? The star of the show, Porthos, is, possibly, is probably off contaminating some culture, if you know what I mean. Wow. I'm not sure what I... I'm not sure I do know what you mean. I think you can figure it out. I've got a pretty good idea. Remember when he contaminated culture a few episodes oh, ago? Oh, yeah, I know. I know what you mean. Like, I was... <laughs> okay. <sighs> so yeah, my biggest problem with this episode is that, uh, and I think I, I have it written in my notes somewhere that Reed actually kind of lampshaded this, is that the plot was just so stupidly avoidable. I mean, like, yeah, every... He said something at one point about like going out to all this trouble just for a communicator and... The, and now they've got all of my other stuff that I brought down here. And it was like, well, yeah, dummy, what'd you think was going to happen? If you're going to bring advanced technology to a planet that doesn't have advanced technology, you should equip all of it with a remote self-destruct. Yes. Yeah. Like, it's not that hard. Come on, tactical officer, do some tactics. Like, 
I'm pretty sure if you have an iPhone and it gets lost, you can do that to it. You can, you can remotely least... deactivate it and remove your data from it. And, uh, you know, it's not such a big like, stretch of the imagination to imagine you could also have it like, I don't know, fry its internal circuitry. So it's, you know, it doesn't explode, but it's also not really recognizable it's or so useful. It's basically a dud and anybody who picks it up is going to be like, yeah, I wonder what this is. Eh, it doesn't really do anything. Huh. Looks like maybe it used to be circuitry, but it's all melted now. So, well, yeah. And... Throw it in the trash. Yeah. Problem solved. Mm-hmm. Episode could have been five minutes long. Yeah, but they didn't do that. No, because they're stupid. Nope. Everyone yeah. was stupid in this episode. They, they really were not very smart. Oh, well. Well, no, that's not entirely true. Tucker and Mayweather weren't really stupid in this episode. They were mostly not involved in the, uh, <laughs> in the Archer and Reed Chronicles. Oh, but there was one thing. Though they did, I guess Tucker was the, the brains behind taking a cloaked Sulaban ship down to this pre-warp society. Yeah, but um, we'll get to that too. There, uh, another we? thing. There's, a, there's another thing where I think they were being kind of dense. I mean, yes, in general. Um, that's what was happening but here. But that's one of my minuses. And yeah, I wrote it in all capital letters in my notes. Oh, well, this will be fun. This will You're be gonna fun. You're going to be ragey about something. Not ragey. Maybe ragey. We'll see. But like, the thing was that... So there are some really dumb episodes of Star Trek where everybody acts really dumb, but everybody's really into it. Mm-hmm. Like, the key example for me here is Spock's brain, which is not even like... <laughs> Like, I don't even think that's really a so bad it's good episode because it gets really dull in the last half hour. I've never stayed awake trying, like, through the whole thing. Yeah, no, we tried to watch it that one time. We we both fell asleep at the same time. It was pretty funny. Um, But things that I do remember about parts of it are that even though this is just the most unbelievably stupid plot, like, especially DeForest Kelly and the female guest stars are really committed to this stupid plot. Mm-hmm. Like, they're trying their absolute darndest to sell it. Nobody in this episode cared. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like they all kind of knew they were in a stupid episode and were just trying to get through it so they could go home. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't... Like, stupid can be fun to watch when everybody else is when willing they're having to pretend a good that time. it's not stupid. Exactly. When they're having a good time. Yeah. All right. So, um, the episode itself was not... Great. You want to hear some trivia? I do. So, this is not the only Star Trek thing to have the title The Communicator. I'm not surprised. You know what else does? Or did? An ad for the original iPhone? Nope. The That is the name that the official Star Trek fan club magazine took on, with its, starting with its 100th issue. Oh. So, Star Trek, the official fan club magazine, started as like a little teeny newsletter thing in 1979. Okay. In 1982, it became like officially licensed by Paramount. Okay. And they started putting out um, uh, more magazine-sized issues that, uh, you know, at the time were largely about the Wrath of Khan, which is the, yes. the new cool thing. Uh, and it continued up through its... And it was uh, every... Every two months, so there'd be six issues a year. Uh, I, re- I was a member, and so I received this uh, <laughs> for a good number of those years. Uh, and then in 1994, uh, they changed their name with their 100th issue from the Star Trek The Official Fan Club magazine to 
the Star Trek Communicator. Oh, okay. Uh, and then it continued through issue 155 in 2005, after which it kind of just went away. Oh. Um, the publisher was losing money or something like that. And yeah, I'm not stunned. Yeah. No, that was around the time that Enterprise was canceled. And... Yeah, and it was also around the time that like magazines, I think, just generally started to become less of a thing. Yeah, at that point, you could probably find out the things you wanted to know on the internet, so... Like, my schools had definitely stopped catalog subscription fundraisers at that point. Hmm, okay. I also find it telling that your trivia has basically nothing to do with the actual episode. No, that's mostly just because I thought that would be an interesting thing to talk about. No, that's cool. Like... The history. Yeah, and like, the, the magazine, like, yes, they had things like interviews with the cast members and stuff, but they also sometimes would have just like, sort of like, dis debates about things. Like, is Starfleet a military organization? Mm. Or uh, is Star Trek Depends too much? Show or is Star Trek too much about sex these days? That was actually a cover story I want of. When did this come out? That was from 2005. That was the last issue. Quite possibly, given how many complaints we've had about the way they treat T'Pol on this show. But at this point, the answer would definitely be yes. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, just that's what I think of when I think of Star Trek Communicator. Oh, okay. That's probably a better thing to think about. It is. <laughs> All right. Should we move on to the pluses and minuses? I guess. Mine aren't that interesting. Well, let's just do it anyway. Okay. Uh, my first plus is Flocks. Yeah. So on I, I also have a plus that just says flocks. Oh good. I'm glad we I'm glad we're on the same wavelength there. So I read I don't remember what I was reading the other day, but I read a little speck of behind the scenes trivia that said that the original plan was at one point in one of the recent episodes, Flocks mentions that he has like a veterinary license or that he's a veterinarian back on Denobula. And one of the original plans for the character was that he just had veterinary training and was in fact prohibited from practicing med from practicing medicine on humanoid species. What? Um, and that that was going to be part of his like mad scientist persona. And they dropped that aspect of his character, but I'm not sure they dropped it a hundred percent. I mean, he's definitely got that whole mad scientisty. Ooh, this is an interesting injury. Mm -hmm. I'm, ex I'm so glad that you got injured like this so I can learn. <laughs> yes, he takes a little bit too much joy <laughs> in people's medical problems. Mm -hmm. uh, and he's just got that amazing alien grin that John Billingsley does. Mm -hmm. But also that's he's... equal parts, like, warm and friendly and off-putting. But also he's like, he's a very reassuring doctor. Like, yeah, your arm's invisible. I've got just the thing for it. Here's a glove. Mm -hmm. And you should get a new uniform, too. He's got a great bedside manner. Mm -hmm. You know, it's nothing to worry about. It'll be okay. It'll eventually. probably reappear. It's probably nothing to worry about. Yeah. Probably nothing is the scariest thing a doctor can say. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, I'll, that, I'll just go from that into my, my favorite thing from the episode, which was... Uh, Travis's suggestion for what he could do with the uh, the invisible arm. I have that in a neutral column with just the description WTF, Travis. You know. All right. Um, yeah. For all the listeners out there. Travis. This is, is an audio medium. But you hey, may know. Hey. <laughs> Movie theaters. 
Travis is my sweet, innocent boy. He doesn't think about this. In case you want to steal some of their popcorn. Yes, of course. (laughs) Doesn't everybody just share popcorn? I guess not Travis Mayweather. But yeah, it was a giggle in an episode that didn't have a whole lot of giggles in it. So yeah, that is fair. Okay, so we said that none of the guest stars were memorable at all. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, I agree with that. Except that waiter who had like four lines who remembered Hoshi. Uh-huh. He did really, really well with those four lines. He seemed <laughs> very nice. I was hoping he was going to have a bigger role. Just he seemed so friendly, so welcoming. Mm-hmm. The guy who played him seemed so happy to be on TV. So, good job, waiter guy. I mean, he's got to be friendly and welcoming. He's, like, working with a dangerous organization that's rooting out spies. Was he working with them? Uh, I got or the Or did sense. he just work for the bar? Uh, hard he to say. He wasn't wearing their uniform. No, but, like... Though the bar did seem to be, like, a mob brunt, so... Yeah, like, they... But, you know, the waiters don't necessarily know that. Hey, but, I don't know. He was cool. Yeah, he was the most memorable of the guest stars, and he was also the least present of the guest stars, Mm -hmm. which uh, that feels like a backhanded compliment towards the episode, but good job, guy. (sighs) Okay. Um, I I did... It's really minor. I thought it was very funny that they were just all, like, looking under all the chairs and everything, trying to find the communicator... Um, you know, hoping that it wasn't left on the planet. And it did th- occur to me, did you? Did one of you just call it? Because that's what I do when I can't find my cell phone. But like, they honey, could can you call it? Contamination. What if someone had heard? They already... Yeah, you're right. But then they, but then they went and did it. Like... No, checking the garbage cans and behind the dresser first was the only smart thing that Malcolm Reed did in this episode. Basically. Could have tried calling it, though. They could have. That might have solved the problem. Then they could have been like, it's on the planet. Better disable it and get out of here. Well, I mean, you call it like in such a way that it you're not like broadcasting to the full range. Like, you know, if it's out of signal range, it won't make a sound. But if it's, you know, under the chair, it'll make a sound. Mm-hmm. You can do that. Totally. Yeah. Um, so when everybody wasn't looking incredibly bored, which was most of the episode, there were some delicious moments of overacting. Oh. And the two biggest perpetrators, I don't mm-hmm. know the correct word for this, were Dominic Keating and Linda Park. Mm-hmm. Linda Park's face when Reed was like, my communicator's missing was the most amazing thing because she had this face that you would think if the sound had been turned off that he just announced... I just murdered my own mother. Well, I I get a sense for the sort of uh, Greek plays that you're reading. Um, but... Uh... What do you want from me? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, it was very theatrical and dramatic. And just the music in that moment, too, when he was like, I've lost my communicator. Where, like, dude, it's not... It's not that big a deal. I mean, it shouldn't have been that big a deal, no, but you didn't again, prepare. No, disable the stupid thing. You didn't prepare to, like... You would, think ah. that, you would think that for something like this, there would be at least a standard Vulcan protocol that they would mm-hmm. follow, which is disable the thing and leave. Yeah. Surely you have some spares aboard. 
Yeah, no, they weren't. They weren't going back to get it because they didn't have any spares. They're going back to get it because you take one of those things apart, and you learn a bunch of stuff you shouldn't know. So, as you said, fry its insides. Exactly. Not that Come on, hard. You guys can do this. We believe in you. Yeah. Uh, that is all I've got. Okay. Um, I was very, uh, char- I don't know, amused, charmed. Uh, Trip really wanted to go looking for that communicator. He gave, yeah, he, I wish they'd let him. He said, you know, I'm a regular bloodhound. And then he gave the saddest puppy dog eyes. Mm-hmm. He did. Oh. And I was like, oh, they're not taking the guy who's actually kind of interesting with them. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, guys. You know it's true. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I kind of appreciated how they, uh, how the, the, I don't even know what species that was or what planet that was. Um, I kind of appreciated their their like diagnostics and how surprised they were at these people being a different species. And I don't know. I yeah, thought, that was cute. Yeah. And um, finally, T'Pol was right at the very end of the episode. They did damage that civilization. She, Even without leaving anything behind. She was, and it was entirely their faults, and I was too mad at anybody to give her any credit for All it right at that then. point. But, like, I... That was a great sort of message if your goal is to... Um, is to motivate the Prime Directive, which I'm pretty sure was the entire point of the episode. Yep. And it would have been awesome if they had gotten there with an episode that was interesting. It would have. Also, it's pretty clear at this point that the Prime Directive is in their heads, even if it's not official General Order 1 yet. Mm -hmm. So stop sitting around with your thumbs up your butts waiting for somebody above you to make it an official rule. You're the ones out here. You make it a ship rule. Mm -hmm. It's not that hard. Yeah. I'm really crapping on this episode a lot. It deserves it. Yeah, I mean, there's questions about, like, what priority you give that rule and stuff like that. And I'm sure they'll go into it in probably much more detail than we want. <laughs> probably. Making that lurch sound. Oh, uh. uh. <laughs> the episodes of the Adams Family that we watched were cute and charming. Yep. Anyway, I guess it's time for negatives. Sure is. I don't have that many of these either, just they're a lot bigger. My first minus is the stupid plot which we've already gone into in plenty of detail. I don't need to rehash it. Fair enough. All right, I'll just go with the big one. So, your vehicle won't cloak. I wonder if it would work better if you would close the door. <laughs> like, like... Is that the they, one that you have written down in all caps? Yes. They were, they were trying like all these different things to get this thing to, to cloak. And all I can think is... You know, I bet that their cloaking array is designed to work when the door is closed. And that while the door is open, it won't work because, like, you've got the interior exposed and you don't have... Didn't maybe start working the when right... they closed the door. Uh, I think more or less, <laughs> yes. Like, it, it, they had, like, partial working with the door open, but then, you know, the door was closed when they were flying and that's when they finally got it working all the way. Starfleet's finest, everybody. Just close the door. I bet that was the problem. <laughs> oh, come on, people. 
feel like the Comcast representative. Have you tried turning the cable box off and back on again? Yeah, except these are actually, <laughs> like, why don't they? <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> They're not very good at this yet. No, they aren't. <laughs> but they should be. Writers. Andre. <laughs> don't, like, ugh. It's Look, very, it's, I could do your be- your job better than you. <laughs> I remember when you used to have a lot of respect for him. Yeah. There was a time when you would see that an episode was written by Andre Bormanis and you'd be like, oh, this one will be good and science because it's written by the science consultant. Yeah, except he's, he's not... Ugh. He's collecting a paycheck. <sighs> I know he's smart and he's written some good stuff. But he's not good at writing these episodes. But yeah, it's generally quite annoying when these people are all supposed to be very smart and capable and the writers make them neither smart nor capable. Mm -hmm. Uh, My next minus is one that we've had for several episodes, which is please stop basing drama around the notion that two of the main cast members might die. We know they're not going to. (laughs) Fair. Like, you can put them in hangman's nooses all you want, Nobody's fooled. Mm-hmm. The drama I was surprised was... they I was surprised they didn't have Malcolm Reed in his cell writing letters to all his girlfriends again. Oh my goodness, that's oh I don't want to think about that. That happened in another episode yeah, starring Shuttlepod One. That did. <sighs> Alright. Um, so yeah, stop that. There was some really like okay, it's really cool. You got some airplanes shooting at you. That's neat. Uh, and then you're like, so Travis, could you make this thing stop shaking as much? And Travis is like, it would be a lot easier if they stopped firing at us. And I'm just thinking, what, why is this a conversation that's happening? Like, they're shooting at you. He should be moving it around more. Yeah. Like, the problem Isn't is you're getting... that maneuvers is? Yeah, the problem is you're getting hit because he's not moving it around enough. And you're like... Please, I need it to be very still so that I can have my tea. No! (laughs) Please fly in a completely straight line, Mr. Pilot Person. That was just lazy. It was. Mm -hmm. I think I chuckled a little bit at that conversation while it was happening, but now that you bring it up again, it was not a smart thing to have in there. No. Uh, My last one is another little philosophical quibble, which is... Let us briefly discuss the concept of a pre-warp civilization and why that is not a useful category, especially in this episode. Mm-hmm. Like, bringing the Sulaban buckyball ship down to their planet was incredibly stupid, if the plan is, like, not to expose them to technology that's going to freak them out. But, like, humanity in 2020 is a pre-warp civilization, yes? It is. We have guns. We have cell phones. We know what those things are. Mm-hmm. Those but, would not... No, the, the, the problem is that we're not supposed to let them know that there are aliens out there who are, in fact, watching them. Indeed. But, like... But they did also... They're not necessarily going to jump to that conclusion because they find guns and cell phones that they don't recognize. Well, the gun was way cooler than theirs. It sounded... From, from what they said, it sounded like they hadn't invented lasers yet. They theorized them, but they yeah, hadn't they had, invented like, them. they had pistols, basically. No, this is, this is a planet where the technology level was firmly 1940. Yeah. But even so, aliens are not necessarily going to be the conclusion that they jump to with those things. 
No. No, in fact, the conclusion they really wanted to jump to was the enemy has them. Yep. Which is the conclusion they ended up jumping to anyway. So and you guys job, probably guys. just started a war? Yeah. Um, related minus to one of my others that I didn't actually write down, but that I alluded to in the summary, is that Archer and Reed are the two worst liars in the history of the world. Yeah. They did a really bad job of that. Just like you could think of no better cover story than playing right into their fears and paranoia about whoever this mysterious enemy they have is. Mm-hmm. You told them you were genetically enhanced. They're like... You were like, yes, you caught us. We're genetically enhanced enemy super soldiers. That is actually the worst lie that has ever been told. Yeah. I mean, they did a lot of... Ugh. They were all taking super pills and it showed. Yeah, pretty much. <sighs> what else you got? I mean, the shootout at the end was really boring. They've yes. done better shootouts. They did a better shootout last episode, and last episode wasn't even that good. Yeah. Um, and the aliens that they were encountering were not interesting. They were like, hey, it's kind of around 1940. Let's kind of make it feel a little bit like maybe Nazis? Yeah, I thought those uniforms were supposed to evoke Nazis. Yeah, it was... But without, like being as overt it's mm -hmm. more like let's have all of the intrigue yeah. of that but like this planet had no personality or culture to speak of yeah it was very and even the sets were very much like let's make it look kind of like 1930s 1940s england europe sort of but maybe more styrofoam yeah, again, the sets looked like they were designed and built by somebody who was bored. Yeah, they weren't that... Yeah. Yeah, just meh. Yeah. That's my feeling on it. We're kind of annoyed at this episode. You might be able to tell. Well, let's move on. Y'all need a good bottle episode. You know, just spend a little time on the ship. Don't visit any aliens. Have a nice bottle episode where, like, some crazy parasite gets in and starts making the crew all do the tango or something. Yeah, I think that would be something that they haven't done yet. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, well, we did have a uh, Mayweather. We had, in my thing. case, a very incorrect Mayweather forecast, since my prediction was that he would not even be in the episode. And in fact, he had more than three lines. Yep. Some of them were even kind of cute. Yeah, we were both off. Oh, well. Next These episode. The next episode is called Singularity. And I was going to look at what it was about, but then our remote control broke. Yeah. yeah. I'm just going to say more than three. I'm going to say more than three, too. Fair enough. We're going to have identical predictions on this one. Hope springs eternal. All right. And I think that brings us to the James Tiberius Kirk Award, maybe? It does. That has been your Mayweather report and forecast. And now we have the Kirk Award. Every show we bestow the James Tiberius Kirk Award on the character who spends the episode keeping the Star Trek legacy alive by doing the best William Shatner impersonation. I don't want to give it to Archer, but I think he's like the only choice yeah, this time. No one was very Kirky this episode. There was that one moment when he tried to be like, take me, spare my tactical officer, which was 100% a Kirk move. Mm -hmm. But oh. Kirk would have lied better than that. Yeah. 
Kirk would not have been on his way to the gallows for being a terrible liar in the first place. Mm-hmm. Come on, Archer, you when can't they, do anything When right. they had little, like, uh, fisticuffs uh, with the guards, I was hoping someone would do a Kirk punch, but no luck. This show has a disappointing dearth of Kirk punches. It does. All right. So congratulations, Archer. Accept this extremely reluctant and resentful Kirk Award. <laughs> Should it be possible to not give one? I don't know. We haven't not given one yet. We're not going to promise that we'll always give one. But so far we have. And we so will. far we have. But... They're going to have to really make me mad for me to just deny it to anybody. I'm just, you know, they should they should all be on their toes. They should. It's not a guarantee. Y'all need to step up your Kirk game. Kirk Award is a privilege, not a right. It's true. Step up your game, y'all. Yeah. Do a bottle episode. <laughs> all right. Well, all right. Is that it? Yeah. Are we wrapping this one Let's up? Let's not think about this one anymore. That's fine by me. As always, thank you for listening. If you're enjoying this... Please tell all your friends and family to join the crew. If you're really enjoying this, please consider leaving us a rating or review or signing up for a subscription on the podcast platform of your choice. If you would like to tell us how we have brightened your day or give us some suggestions for the show, shoot us an email at at least there's a dog at gmail.com. And if you are watching along with us, your next viewing assignment is the episode Singularity. Take care of yourselves, and until next time, remember to go wherever your heart will take you. Bye. Bye.